You're listening to the Tan Talk Radio Network. Imus in the morning. Who's the Godfather? Morning, Godfather. Morning, not Imus. I am amused by these diminutive, self-absorbed sports journalists like that hollow tree dweller Mike Lupica and his lollipop guild cohort Bob Costas weighing in on the topic of gun control. Where do these sawed-off little jock wannabes get off using their respective forums to whine about the Second Amendment? Just give out the stats, make your pretentious observations about the athletes, and write your Mad Lib-style inspirational children's novels about how, as long as you try your best, everybody's a winner. At least you're better than that pint Sized pantload Costas. Maron, what a simpering Finocchio. Guns are bad. Let me tell you something, you lawn gnome. Guns don't kill people. I do. So keep your mouth shut and your nose clean and leave the civics lessons to somebody with the gayons to pack some heat. Kabish. Yeah. Catch Imus in the morning right here on the stations of the Tan Talk Network. I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformer. This is Optimus Primer Button, leader of the auto part junkies. And I'm calling on all auto parts junkies to listen to nostalgic radio and cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. here on Tan Talk. This is Optimus Primer Button. If you don't tune in, it will be the end of the world. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com.
Drive radio station. Tonight on Nostalgic Cars and Radios, it's... No, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And if you're not, you're a communist. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Run your computers and Google TantalkTurkey40.com. And she gets live in the studio here. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Happy New Year, everybody. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And, of course, this is one of the most unprepared radio shows on the radio network. But uh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Bobby, we can you hear you. Of course can... we can hear you. Yeah, what did I say? What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you had the music a little loud there, but that's okay. I can't hear anyway. So um, anyway, let's see. Run your computers at Google, TamTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to do something different. It is almost New Year's Eve. 2015 is about to wrap up. Let's see. What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Be sure to check out our website, GolfStreetBuddhistports.com. And how do I say this, Bobby? You say follow us on... Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh, don't forget Facebook, too. Oh, like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. That's the thing. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Bobby, we got somebody on the phone right now? Just not, I saw the phone light up there. Did, did we, we do. We do? All right. Let's uh, let's see who's coming on. We, you know, What we're going to do, we're going to open the phone line tonight. So, uh, let's see. What's the phone number here? Oh, yeah. 727-441-3000. That's it. 727-441-3000. I saw the phone lit up here a minute ago. So, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, Patch, uh, patch whoever the uh, caller is, one of our listeners, because we're uh, going to have kind of like a fun show tonight, aren't we? Yeah, uh, caller, you're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Can I help you? This is your two minutes in Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, hey, Dave. It's, um, it's Dave from Tampa. Dave from, Dave from Tampa. How you doing this evening? Um, I'm good. Um, first time in a long time. First time? And, and, and uh, I just want to say you guys are you guys are really great, and, and I listen to you all the time, and... and and I think you guys should be, like, national because, you know, there's so many people who are into classic cars and nostalgic radio. And so I would, I would, I would, shut up, I'm on the phone! So, uh, right. We're live. My mom. My mom's. Oh, okay. She, she just bothers me all the time. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, live, I still live with her because she's old, you know, and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, there's no one to take care of her. So I, I live in a basement, and um, I manage a, a Star Wars website um, that um, I'm on the phone! And, um, I, you know, so anyway, I think you guys are great, and I, I really, I really, really, don't make me come up! I'm sorry, i got to call you back. Uh, okay, I get, wow, that was, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, well, hey, you know, we, we, have, we have a lot, of, we have a good cross-section of listeners, you know, so uh, you never know uh, who's going to tune in, and... Um, but anyway, hey, like I said, the phone lines are open. Uh, Bobby, what do we got here for? Uh, we get some music. Another call. Another caller. Okay. Well, we're, we're you know this, we're we're going to be pretty busy this evening. And um, anyway, like I said, uh, if you do want to call in, just dial us here at the studio at seven two seven four four one three thousand, and we are live. And we're just going to kind of wing it. We're just going to kind of kind of kind of play, see what's going on here. So we got another caller on the phone. All okay. right, caller, you're on the air. Caller, caller, Hi. how you doing? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. How can I help you? Thanks so much. Um, it's Stephen from uh, Clearwater. Stephen from Clearwater. How you doing? Stephen um, with an M. Oh, Stephen. P-H-E-M. Um, yeah, um, I think what you're doing for the community is really, really great. I mean, it's a very positive message that you're sending to everyone. And um, I, for one, really appreciate it because I'm just so 
so tired of all the negativity that's out there in the world. And um, you guys are are just really one of the, one of the few one one of the few positive things that's out there. And for people like me who have a lot of you know positive influence in their life, it's just it's really comforting to turn on the radio and know that you're there and you're you're passionate about what you do and 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 you really share your your joy with everyone. I just want to thank you and wish you a very happy new year. Well well thank you very much, uh Steve M and I hope you continue turning in. And uh, you know, if you ever get a classic car, you know, uh, uh, you know, sh- show up at some of our car shows. I can't afford them because I'm on I'm on welfare. If I work, I would love to. I would love to like come and meet you guys. Maybe maybe come to your house. I'll bring a pizza or something. We can sit down and just kind of. Well, yeah, you know what? It's, it's funny you mentioned that. We were actually thinking about doing a uh, car show. Uh, uh, it's called Pizzas and Cars with uh, our friends at Belladora's Pizza uh, in Largo because they, 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 they have great Italian food, and, uh, you know, they want to do a car show with us. So, you know, you can uh, probably hang out with us over there and uh, get yourself a pizza. Hello? Hello? Wow. Okay. Uh Anyway, uh, yeah, well, you're tuned into Nostalgia Good in Cars, and of course, this evening we've got, uh, um, well, you know, we got a, we got a few, we have some different callers. You know, not everybody's in the car. Some people like to listen to talk radio, and uh, every once in a while, you know, we do get some people that uh, compliment us and they like what we're talking about. And you know, like this gentleman here a few minutes ago, he says, uh, you know, he was he was talking about how he appreciates the fact that um, we're kind of passionate about our hobby, which we are. You know, we like cars, we truly do, and. We're in uh, all aspects of it. And, uh, Bobby, what's up? We got another caller? Yeah, um, caller, you're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. How can uh, how can we uh, entertain you tonight? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's Walt from Tarpon Springs. Uh, I got a question for you. Um, I have a, a 1965 um, Corvette, um, and uh, I, I'm just kind of curious to what it might be worth on the market. Um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't have any wheels on it, and, um, I think the, um, I think the engine shot, um, and there's, there's a little bit of rust and pitting, you know, on the body, um, but it's an original, you know, it's, it's, it hadn't been touched, so I was wondering what you think it might, you know, at an auction, what, what it might gain. Well, is it a hard top or is it a convertible? Is it open? It's, uh, it's a rag top. I'm a rag top guy, you know, and there's a couple of holes in it, you know, over the years, whatnot. Well, uh, they are I had fi- a lot of good times in that car, let me tell you. <laughs> a lot of good times. I didn't even need a back seat, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are fiberglass, and they do get a few holes here and there. And, of course, the chrome and aluminum, it, it tends to pit. But, you know, with no motor, I mean, with the motor not running and, the, and no wheels on it, you know, I mean, uh, 65 Corvette, you know, let's say it's a small block car, could be worth, you know, uh, 10, 15 grand, just the way it sits. What do you think about that? Seriously, no wheels, and 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 the, and the chassis rusted, and 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 the, and the 
and the fiberglass is all pitted, you, you really think I I can make ten fifteen grand off her? Well, you know, if it's a fairly complete car, it's a fairly rare car, you know. But yeah, I mean, some of those guys are bringing ten thousand, yeah, ten, eleven. You know, it could it could do that. You know, I mean, a nice one's worth uh, thirty five to forty five thousand bucks. You know, so you know. Well, three of my children were conceived in it. Does that have uh, any value whatsoever? Well, <laughs> if uh, if it's yeah, well, uh, to you it would, and to your kids it might. I mean, it's clean. I, you know, I, I, I wiped up most of the stains, so it's not got a problem with that. But. Uh, yeah, if it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, it's like the, you know, a lot of guys buying these old cars today are buying them because they. I mean, that's what they had when they were in high school, you know, and they want to relive and go through the the good old days, you know. So those cars have value to certain people. <laughs> now you're laughing. <laughs> Hello? You are the most patient man in radio. Am I really? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Bobby, I go think ahead. We, I think we've kind of exhausted this. this uh, okay, here. <laughs> Hang on a second. Bobby's got something he's going to do as an intro. Then we're going to introduce our guest here. Hey, if you uh, just tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, we were doing a couple, I guess you would call them parodies, right? And uh, so we were having some fun. So, Bobby, I think you got something queued up for us, and let's let it roll. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Bartlett. Okay, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, one of the stars of Imus in the Morning, Rob Bartlett, the funny man. Rob, how are you doing this evening? And welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Thank you so much, and I'm so honored that I got the, the, the Rush Tom Sawyer treatment. Yeah, well, we were going to queue up uh, that other band. What's that other band called? Uh, cheap something or other? Cheap? Cheap thrill. Trick, 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 that's it. That's it. Yeah. Don't, don't you diss my trick. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we got a bunch of those songs queued up. But anyway, so how you doing, Rob? And welcome to the I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's actually starting to get a little cold here in New York, so it actually feels a little bit like the holiday season. I mean, 75 degrees on Christmas Eve. It's you know, as the Godfather would say, it's an infamia. So uh, it's nice to have the the weather a little a little more seasonal up here. How's it how's it going down there? Oh, it's terrible. It's warm and humid. It's 80 degrees, and we got air conditioning on. That's pathetic, isn't it? Well, you know, that's what you get. And that's what we get. I know that's what happens, and we're almost in the southern hemisphere, so, you know. Uh-huh. Hey, we don't have a cough button here, so hang on a second. <coughs> Our cough button doesn't seem to want to work. You guys have one of those up there in uh, New York? It's a real class operation you got going there. I gotta say. <laughs> hey, we're an affiliate to you guys, you know? W- I know, and, and believe ABC? me, we are very grateful for that fact. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know what? You need to come down here. We need to hook you up with uh, Ruth Eckert Hall or Mahaffey or what's the one in Tampa, Bobby? Um, Strauss. 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 Yeah, we need to get you down here so you can do. A, you need to do some uh, stand-up comedy routines down here. In the Capitol Theater is the closest to I our saw, station. I saw Cheap Trick down at Ruth Eckert Hall, actually. Did you? When they did, uh, they were, for a while, they were touring doing uh, Sgt. Pepper Live. They did the entire Sgt. Pepper album live. They actually had um, the guy who was the uh, engineer, um, the hell's his name? I can't remember right now. But anyway, he's like the real guy who engineered it, who had originally said, you cannot ever do Sgt. Pepper live. And uh, he helped him He helped him do it. Um, and they, they did it as a, as a benefit. Um, they did it down there. And it was a great night. Donovan, 
uh, was a guest star, and he did. Uh, he did. He opened. He kind of did a couple of his hits, and I think he did "Within You Without." You. Very, very cool. Well, now Robin Zander's son, I think he plays with him too, or has he got his own band? No, Rick Nielsen's son is actually playing with him now. Um, Dax is filling on the, on the drums since Bunny's departure, but uh, um, they're 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 still they're still rocking. Man, I tell you. <laughs> After all these years, well, now let me. You and I are pretty close in the same age. We're in our in our in our young fifties. Okay, so uh-huh. I'll, say, I'll say it like that. So we, we thank you, thank you for being kind. We have similar tastes, and uh, and uh, so at any rate, why don't you give our listeners a little background on on yourself? I mean, uh, we've talked about you. We play skits every once in a while. The stuff that you guys do, and then what we'll do a little bit later as we go through the show, we'll kind of give a little rundown. Of course. One of the guys you're going to have to do because he's our another hometown favorite is Hulk Hogan, obviously, and he's been on my show. Before. I don't know about that, brother. I don't know why you just turn it on and turn it off if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but you do a lot of uh, impersonations and things like that. But tell us a little bit how you got into business. Um, I kind of got into business uh, kind of in the back door. I mean, I uh, I went to school for uh, English theater. Um, I got a full scholarship to Alfred University, and uh, my second, my sophomore year, I got sick. Um, I have Crohn's disease, and so I kind of missed a whole bunch of school, but neglected to tell the advisor, and yada, 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 yada. So push comes to shove. I lost the uh, scholarship, so I took a year's leave of absence to uh, make money to go back, and uh, I was working as a... Uh, He's a maintenance guy in uh, an office building in New York City that my uncle was the manager of, my Uncle Vaughn. And uh, when I was there, one of the guys who I worked with, Igor, was a young guy. And, you know, because I've always been kind of a class clown and, you know, making fun of whoever was around and imitate all the other workers and the people in the building and whatnot, and he would say, you know, you really should do something with this. And I had always kind of, in the back of my mind, envisioned myself as a stand-up comic at some point or other. Apparently... I'm told in kindergarten I uh, I did Pat Cooper's not before um, an Italian wedding uh, bit <laughs> that I'd heard the night before on the Ed Sullivan show. So I think I think the the die was cast pretty early on. So I, I wound up you know kind of trying it out, um, no real preparation or anything. Uh, a friend of his uh, owned a wine and cheese cafe because back you know in the seventies those were really big. And uh, I went on between sets of folk music. I didn't realize I was going to have to go on more than once. So I had the same material, and that crowd didn't really change. And I made the mistake of, you know, making myself availed of the free beer and wine. So the second set wasn't quite as tight as the first set. We'll just say that. But then uh, from that point, I went to Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn, which was a showcase club on Long Island where I'm from. And there I kind of I met Eddie Murphy. Who was 17 at the time, and he and I, and a guy by the name of Bob Nelson, who I'm sure people know, is the guy who does the uh, football, uh, brain damage, you know, um, Dane Bramage. You've seen him a thousand times. He's a really brilliant, brilliant comic. The three of us put together a uh, an improvisational trio called the Identical Triplets, and we would do our separate acts, but then we would also do sketches together, and we kind of toured with that for a while. And then it just, it, it just kind of never went back. You know, I never went back to school. And uh, for better or worse, I kind of made a career out of that. And I used stand-up to kind of get into the acting thing, which was, you know, it's kind of worked, uh, worked out pretty well for me. Have you always been in the, in the uh, New York area? Yeah. No, I was born in Brooklyn and raised on Long Island. So, you know, that's, I've never really... You know, I've been out to L.A. for extended periods of time doing, you know, pilots and shows and whatnot. But I haven't... Uh, you know, I, I I never made the move out to L.A. because I just didn't 
you know. I wasn't really willing to uproot my family and move them out there for my career, you know, uh, for better or worse. But I, I think I made the right decision. Okay. Now, I have to I have to go in this direction just for a second. Since how sure. there's different boroughs and different parts of New York, my father-in-law was born and raised in the Bronx. So do you have any Bronx jokes? This is for him because he's listening. Really? I don't. I, I mean, don't, don't the people in Brooklyn make fun of the guys in Bronx and vice versa they, in Staten they, Island they, and London? They kind of, you know, like who won the Bronx beauty pageant? Nobody. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. New York is pretty, Brooklyn's pretty hardcore. You is know? it? Um, yeah. And, and one of the characters that has kind of endured over the years, um, the, one of the first characters I did when I started with IMS back in, in the early 80s was uh, Sal Manila. Who was this? Just kind of a gavon from Brooklyn, and <laughs> I've been on top for forty-two years, and it's an anomaly. I have nobody, no idea why this happened. Nobody in the history of broadcasting has done what I've done. I understand that the gamblings—that was an entire family. When did, when did you go from being just a little local New York DJ to the big, enormous, multinational character that you are now? Twenty-seven years ago, baby, when I joined, when I came on board, bringing my entire country of characters, I pulled you out of the depths of being semi-number two in New York to becoming a national figure that you are today. Me, you, Salmonella, night before Christmas, Yo. put you on the map. I was the you. one who did it. Salmonella, me. <laughs> Um, but out of that came something called The Night Before Christmas in Brooklyn, which was a piece that I did um, I think the second year I was with Imus, and it just, it's been my signature piece ever since. And it's been this enormous hit. I don't know why, but somehow it just caught hold, and people tell me that it's part of their holiday tradition, you know, in addition to the the, the eggnog and the, and the mistletoe, they, they, they read The Night Before Christmas in Brooklyn, although they'll play the CD The Night Before Christmas in Brooklyn on Christmas Eve, and we just did a, uh, we just did a, the ultimate video version of it. I, I, I wanted to kind of uh, treat it the way that it deserves, because it's, it's been good to me over the almost 30 years, and uh, we just shot uh, a video version of it that's up on uh, a new website that I've started called RuthlessSpectator.com, and... Uh, comedy website we do sketches and whatnot and and that's been up there and that's been uh pretty, pretty much a huge success for us so um it's just kind of weird the way things happen you know i mean you well you, since you, since you brought that up you want to give us a little a couple little segments of uh the night before christmas well you know salmon is from brooklyn you know and things is you know i don't know what it is about brooklyn at christmas time but somehow you know I don't know whether it's a light layer of snow covering the bombs or the little children frolicking up and down Flatbush Avenue, picking pockets, or, or because the dog crap freezes. But whatever it is, it just smells Christmas. And perennially in every year, I uh, gather around a space heater with my family, and I tell them all the story of Christmas as it actually happened to me. It was the night before Christmas in Sheepshead Bay. The kids was asleep waiting for the big day. The stockings was hung by the furnace for care, and hopes that the morning they would all still be there. Me and a skank was getting ready for bed. I wore pajamas. She had a paper bag for her head. Went up on a roof. I heard this big crash. Thought it was a burglar. I was going to kick ass. Went up on a fire escape. Looked up at the sky. And what did I see? This freak of fat guy. With a red suit and boots to come up to his knees. And in moonlight, he looked like my fat Aunt Louise. And then it just kind of goes on from there. Where, uh, <laughs> he, he 
suspects that Santa's trying to steal his television, so he, he kind of knocks him out with a pipe, and then Santa says, you know, I, I can't continue. you gotta, you got to take over for me, Sal. So Sal becomes Santa's helper at that point. And, uh, so go to RuthlessSpectator.com, and you can, you, can, you can see the whole thing in all its glory. In all its glory. Okay. Now, you do a number of Italian guys. What about Don Corleone? Um, Godfather is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of those that when you're you're at home and you're flipping through the cable, and and that happens to come across when you're, you know, flipping channels. You're there. You're done. You're there until it's over. It's just for some reason I can never just skip past the God. I must have seen it a thousand times. No, no exaggeration. But it's 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 possibly the greatest American film ever. And uh, so, you know, because of my my size, let's say, I kind of resemble Marlon Brando, and so I just decided one day I was going to try to do The Godfather on the show, and I was just very, became very similar, just sort of just Don Amos, and uh, Don, uh, Don Adams, and uh, Don, Don Drysdale, and uh, all of the Dons, Don Taste Me Bro, and, uh, and then what I would do is I would look up, um, I would use Google Translator to translate what I wanted to say in Italian, and then I would kind of phonetically say it. I mean, I don't speak Italian, but I can kind of fake it. And I guess well enough to the point where my manager, Gary, actually got a call from some Italian-American publication who wanted to make me their man of the year because they thought I was Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of, kind of, kind of funny. But um, I used to use Alice, um, who was one of the producers when we were at, uh, at MSNBC, and, and she was born in Italy, and so she would call her father... <laughs> At six o'clock in the morning, our time, and say, "How do you say scrotum in Italian?" And the father was, "Why do you need to know?" <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, that's been one of my favorite characters over the years. It's a lot of fun to do. Excellent. Now, what else? I mean, I, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. You know, which characters are your favorite characters? So, but if you want, you can kind of like give us a little rundown of some of the characters that you like to play in their character mode. Could you do that for us? Sure. I mean, uh, one of my favorite characters would be um, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Hi, I'm Brian Wilson. How are you? I'm fine. Welcome to Brian Williams' Beach Boys Christmas special. There's a satiny glow on the dunes. All the reindeer are hanging tin. And Santa and the elves are packing the woody with toys. Oh, look, it's the doorbell. It must be my first special guest, Greta Van Susteren. <laughs> hey Greta, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> and then, of course, we have Gangster Mickey. Who? Uh, That's my favorite. You got to do Gangster Mickey. He came out of the uh, the idea that uh, Disney decided they needed to kind of upgrade, you know, kind of give uh, a harder edge to Mickey for a certain demographic. And so, so yeah, yeah, dude, I gotta tell you something, man. That little mermaid, she holding out on me, y'all. I, <laughs> I can't stand it, y'all. I was trying to tell her, look, look, bitch, out here. Why are you waiting on me, bitch? I was, you know what the problem is? Well, this, it didn't draw a penis on me, man. That's my problem. I ain't got no penis. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to get some lawyers calling me now from Disney. But uh, yeah, because we're close to Disney World. I know. Do the Hulkster, because obviously, you know, he's uh, a local. Well, the Hulk, Hulk. Hulk kind of came out of my, my tenure with the WWE. Which was back then when I was with him was the WWF. I was one of the first uh, hosts uh, of of Monday Night Raw. It was myself and Macho Man Randy Savage and Vince 
Vince McMahon, and uh, I did it for 10 weeks until I realized I was so bad that I really had no business being there. And uh, I think I am on the list of the top 10 worst wrestling announcers. I'm pretty up there. I mean, on some lists, I'm, I'm like one or two. So, What makes a good or bad announcer in wrestling? Uh, well, I had no idea what was going on. You know, I oh. wasn't really impressed. I wasn't really a wrestling aficionado. I wasn't really following it. Vince had seen me at a, at, a, at a charity event, and he was wearing a peach-colored suit. And I did about 20 minutes on his peach-colored suit um, to the, the joy of everyone at this Special Olympics event. And uh, he called me a couple days later and said, well, what would you think about being a live host? We're doing something new. We're doing this live thing. And he was willing to take a chance, which I was really kind of impressed with. He is really kind of the... Um, he's one of the greatest promoters of all time. He really knows the business. He's one of the great entertainment moguls. I mean, he just knows the brand. He knows. He's the P.T. Barnum of our time, basically. And um, so I went on, and I would try to do voices and whatnot. It, which, it just really didn't work. You know, it just really, really didn't work. And, you know, to his credit, you know, he tried to make it work, but it just really wasn't happening. So, But uh, I got to meet Hulk Hogan, which was a, a huge, you know, a huge thing for me because, you know, my kids at the time were big wrestling fans. And so that was a big deal. I got to, I got to go into the ring in Madison Square Garden and uh, Giant Gonzalez, you know, crushed me to my knees, whatever it was. But, um, you know, brother, I got to tell you something, brother. I am a fool to the fact that brother. And then what? <laughs> I, I wish I had more material for him, but I haven't done them in so long. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I'll, what let, a- you, I'll let you down. I, uh, I'm sorry. Nah, nah, nah. You're doing fine. Anyway. Hello? Yes. Oh, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, what about what about you? Know, since you, it sounds like you come to the, to the Bay Area a lot, and it's and I'm gonna kind of ask you this: If you know, back in the day, we had uh, Dusty Rhodes. Did, did anybody ever uh, ask you to do an impression of him? Do you remember him? Does I mean, I know you didn't. Follow- I remember Dusty Rhodes. Nobody asked me to do an impression of him. Although Bobby the Brain Heenan told me that, but no matter what, I should avoid Dusty Rhodes, no matter what happens. So, you know. <laughs> oh, everybody used to make fun of him. Him and the ugly elbow. That was his big thing. You know, Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, because he had a lift. The ugly elbow. Yeah, remember that? The and, ugly elbow. Yeah. But, uh, and, of course, Randy but, Savage, you know, everybody He used- was a great guy. He was a great guy. Yeah. He was such a great guy. I met so many great people in that organization. You know, Bobby the Brain, Macho Man. I mean, they're just some really class individuals. You know, and uh, they they knew exactly how lucky they were, and they were grateful for what they had, and they were great with the fans. Nobody takes care of the fans better than they do, and, and you know, uh, WWE. They um, they really do take care of the fans. You know, um, so it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a great model. I mean, it, you ought to be successful in show business. Pattern your brand after the WWE. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, because, um, uh, you know, building a brand and like you said, the fact that they have such a strong interaction with their fans, you know, and and, and, and for the most part, I mean, it's it is scripted, you know, and they do pick characters and stuff, but it's just it and, and it's really not real, I guess. It's funny because we had Hulk Hogan on the radio show, and he did say that, you know. So I guess I can. It's okay to say that, you know. But it's acting, but it's fun, it's entertaining, and people like it. And 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 strangely enough, there's a there's a huge allegiance to wrestling, which is kind of cool. Because it's real. I mean, in 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 a, in a sense, it's realer than 
a lot of the other things that are out there. You know I mean? <laughs> we'll let you get into that too. We'll let you talk about some of the other sports because I know you make a make a lot of uh, you poke a lot of fun at that. When you when you get ready to do uh, uh, an impression of somebody, and whether it be uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Doctor Phil, or Larry King, or something like that, have you? met those people ahead of time and then you kind of they they do something to you and you say i mean when i say that i mean they kind of inspire you a little bit to say hey i think it'd be kind of fun to do that kind of guy or what what kind of inspires you to kind of mimic a character um i guess if they're popular enough that people would know who they are and Mm -hmm. then i'll study him and you know like like for example when rush limbaugh was really really big i listened to his program and i would i would kind of talk with him as he was speaking so I could kind of get all the nuances of his voice. And the same thing with Dr. Phil and, and uh, Larry King and, and all those guys. I, um, you know, it's, it's just a question of, of trying to go over it. Repetition really is the, is the key for impersonation. If you could just really continue to kind of just drill yourself through it, there are ways that you can kind of discover the nuances of the voice and whatnot. So it comes a little bit more to life than it would normally be. Um, I've only met a couple of the people that I do. I met um, Governor Christie. I met uh, I met Scott Muni. Scott Muni was a DJ in uh, in New York, legendary um, rock DJ in New York. I met him, which was a big deal. Um, Joe Pepitone. <laughs> Joe Pepitone. I used to do him when we were back at uh, WFAN, the sports station. So every once in a while, Tom Carvel. I met Tom Carvel. I don't know if you guys know who Tom Carvel is, but the big um, ice cream guy up here in New York is no longer with us, but he's. He used to do these legendary commercials, you know, where he would he would be in every single one of them, but he was not exactly the most, I don't know, charismatic person, I guess you would say. He's like, come, Carmel, I'm on the Carmel ice cream supermarket. When you get the super supermarket Carmel ice cream. And uh, I actually did him at a charity event when he was there, and he got up and he said, I don't know what that guy was doing. I don't know anything like that. <laughs> How about Bill Clinton? Well, when, when Bill Clinton happened, it was kind of a gift from God, you know. One of those things where where it just kind of happened, you know. Uh, I was doing Roger Clinton for a while, Um as like the party animal, we would always have him at some kind of party or something, reporting on something. But he uh, he was a gift from the gods. I mean, I got a couple of great years out of him. <laughs> um, a couple of really great years out of him, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, that was kind of cool. And I met him, actually, and I don't think he put two and two together. It was at a, uh, it was at a Big Brothers event, and he was kind of a surprise guest. I actually have a picture of, of me with Bill Clinton, and, and Donald Trump is standing behind us. He was one of the people who was invited to this event. So I'm with, you know, a former president and possibly a future president, and me are in the same photo together. But um, he's an amazing person. He makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. I've never met anybody more charismatic than he was. Really? I Bill mean, Clinton? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was ready to go into the Oval Office and, you know, bring him a pizza. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I know we're not going to go into politics and stuff like that, but it is kind of a, an interesting story. But he, he, I mean, he, like you said, he's a charismatic kind of guy. And there was an interview one time I was watching where he was, uh, where Don Imus was on, I think, Letterman. And basically, uh-huh. he, he said the same thing. Because Bill Clinton in 1992, Two, I think it was 1992. Shortly after he got elected president, we had the we had a national Mustang convention 
in Charlotte. We, the taxpayer, pay for his Mustang to be brought in from, from Arkansas, and he was there actually taking pictures and signing autographs with people, provided you, he, they did, a, you know, they did a, a background check on you ahead of time. And, uh, wow. and, and, and all my guys that were like staunch conservatives, they just said, well, you know what? I mean, it's, he, he is who he is, but I will tell you one thing. I can see how he got elected and why he got elected, because he's got that persona, that personality, and people just liked it. Yeah. He wasn't that great of a president, and the economy was just good. He had nothing to do with it just because there was an Internet revolution you know, going on. But other than that, he takes credit for it, happened to be at the right place at the right time. And, of course, now look what's happening. He's, he's backing his wife, and we won't go there. And let's talk about um, <laughs> But um, let's uh, go ahead and do us a, do us a Trump impression. Donald Trump is not an easy guy to do, because Donald Trump is larger than life, and everyone knows it. He's, um, he is, I, 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 don't, know how, well, I don't know what to make of him. Uh, he says all the right things, you know. Um, he doesn't tend to tell you exactly how he's going to do all the things he's going to do, but he does have all the right things that he should be doing, you know. Why don't you, at uh, when Marla's his former wife back in the 90s didn't you do uh weren't you like one of the weren't you at the at the at her birthday or something like that didn't you do a uh yeah, how, did, how did you know that well i had a little 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 birdie came in here and told me that a little while ago so wow the- yes she she had a birthday party at Catch rising star where i was a regular and uh i was actually there for it and uh she was she was marla you know and and he was he was trump it was uh, it was a pretty interesting evening, I have to say. I mean, I don't think she really. I think at the time she was doing some Broadway show thing. I think she was doing um, a Will Rogers Follies, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think she sang or did something. And but there was you know a whole group of people. And but yeah, I was I was there. It was my my brush with greatness. Your brush with greatness. Okay. Well, jumping back really quick to 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 Trump and. The one thing you have to give him credit for, unlike anybody else that's running for office right at the moment, he has done things. He has accomplished things. Okay, so if nothing else, you know, he's built, he's developed, he's he's followed through on everything he said. So he's a man of his word from that perspective. But aside from that, let's jump back to you. You mentioned something about uh, Mar- Marla and that she was doing a play. You've done a number of plays on uh, Broadway. So tell us about some of those. Yeah, um, I actually made my Broadway debut in a play that I wrote myself, which was based on my stand-up act. Um, we had 17 previews and four performances, and the pull quote from the Times was Avert Your Eyes. So it wasn't exactly what you would call a hit in Broadway standards. I mean, you weren't going to hang a, a sign off the marquee, you know, Avert Your Eyes. It really wasn't going to happen. Um, but then some time passed, I did an off-Broadway show called Tabletop, where I, I actually won a, a Drama Desk Award, and then I did this thing for Encores, which is uh, a thing they do up in New York where they take a, a musical that hasn't been done in a long time, and they do, a, they do like a two weekends of it, kind of a concert version. You rehearse for two weeks, and then you do two weekends of it. It's really like being shot out of a cannon. It was Golden Boy. It was with Alfonso Ribeiro um, from The Fresh Prince. And uh, I played one of the boxing promoters. My name was Roxy something. And the director of that, Walter Bobby, remembered me um, because what was supposed to happen was uh, Brad Brad Garrett was supposed to play uh, Amos Hart in Chicago, which which Walter directed, and uh, he got the Jackie Gleason biopic, um, and so he couldn't do it, and so they were kind of stuck for an Amos, 
And so he called and said, well, why don't you go see the matinee? When you're done with the matinee, you know, go up on stage and see the musical director and see if you can sing the song, and then we'll take it from there. So I went, and I saw the show, and I went up on stage afterwards, and Bob Billy was the musical director at the time, and I sang Mr. Cellophane, and uh, on the way home, I got the phone call, and I got in the part. So I played Avis Hart in Chicago for a couple of years, and then... After that, I, I got cast in Little Shop of Horrors as Mushnik, and then after that, I went back to Chicago for a little while, and then I did Odd Couple with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. I did uh, Sweet Charity with Christina Applegate, and and uh, most recently, I did How to Succeed in Business with Daniel Radcliffe, and then when he left, I did uh, I did it with uh, Nick Jonas. So uh, yeah, the Broadway thing has been kind of a I don't know if you call it a hobby, but it's been a side thing that I've done over the years. So, how hard is it to get work like that? I mean, is, is there enough stuff going on to keep you busy all the time? Because no, 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 it's next to impossible. I mean, I was I've been really fortunate and very, very lucky. There are thousands of people much more talented than me who who are still going to auditions, trying to hammer it, you know, hammer it in. Um, but you know, it's out of those kinds of things because there's so much TV shooting in New York that I end up getting some TV stuff out of it. You know, it's, um, when I was doing um, Tabletop, I got Law & Order Special Victims Unit. I did five episodes as uh, Milton Schoenfeld, a sleazy defense lawyer. And then uh, I went up for a, a part in uh, uh, The Good Wife because the, the, the director of that particular episode had seen me in Chicago, remember me. I didn't get that part, but they gave me another one, which turned out to be a recurring part. So um, Bernie Bukovitz, the Bond lawyer, the really nasty, <laughs> obnoxious but lovable um, Bond attorney who uh, I've done three episodes. Two of them have aired, and, and one is still yet to air. It's the 13th episode is the biggest one so far. i got a lot of scenes with Juliana Margulies, so... It's been pretty cool. I mean, it's, I've been very lucky because I really haven't had to move. You know, I haven't gone, had to go out to L.A. I'm able to do what it is I've always wanted to do right here in my home, my hometown. How often do you uh, show up on the IMA show? Uh, you're on there, what, a couple times a week usually? I'm there every day. Oh, you're there every uh, day. Okay. Not, yeah, whether or not I actually get on, that's another story. But I'm there every day. Um, I try to do two, three pieces per show, uh, depending on what the show load is like. It either happens or it doesn't. Um, but you know that's 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 the deal. You know, it's um, I've been with him for going on 29 years now, so that's one of the things that I'm most grateful for because there's no such thing as that kind of a steady gig in show business, and it affords me the opportunity to do all the other stuff that I do. Excellent. Now, when you do the the IMA show in the morning, when you come up with your characters, do you is it a spontaneous thing, or do you have it kind of you know ahead of time what you're going to do? Does it have something to do with the the topic that's going to be discussed that day, or how does that work? Well, sometimes, sometimes the um, the characters come out of something spontaneous. Like Gangster Mickey came out of the news story, and that was kind of spontaneous. So I decided I was going to start bringing in pieces of material with that character. Um, the same thing happened with Larry Flint, and uh, the same thing happened um, with Lindsey Graham. You know, uh, just kind of chiming in after a news story, and then before you know it, it becomes a character. You know. So, you do um, uh, the uh, you did you, oh, the one. There's one episode I saw where you did a little thing on with Mick Jagger. You're doing a play on him. Uh, Elvis yeah. is another one that people like. Can you do a little Elvis for us? I don't know if I can really do a, 
uh, proper Elvis for you right now, man, because I haven't had my peanut butter banana sandwich, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm hey, a- what, kind of, what color Cadillac you want there? <laughs> Pink. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it, man. Hey, Red, let's get this guy a Cadillac. Pink. That's it. Yeah. How about uh, Ringo Starr? Now, that one I've never heard you do before, but uh, it's on your list, on your well, repertoire. At the time, you know, I decided that Ringo, God bless him, he's doing sketches commercials. He's a Beatle. He might as well be doing Walmart openings at this point. I feel really sad about him. He's got to be really bitter if you think about it. Of all the Beatles, he's the one who's still kind of the backbeat of it all. And then Paul gets all the money. <laughs> Excellent. And, uh, well, you're also a big Beatles fan, too, right? Huge Beatles fan. Uh, huge Cheap Trick fan. Um, because Cheap Trick is kind of like the son of Beatles, really, if you think about it. Um, I had the most amazing experience of my life involving Cheap Trick. I was, I've been a fan of this for a while. I'd seen it in the road, number of concerts. We were in New Jersey. I took one of my sons to see him at uh, Borgata in Atlantic City. And I had read an interview where they had said that they watched Diamonds in the Morning on MSNBC. I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. So I guess they've seen me. So you think, wow, you know, Cheap Tricks actually seen me. So I'm sitting in the audience, and they're doing Surrender. I think they're closing the show. And uh, Tom Peterson, the bassist, kind of walks to the front of the stage. We were sitting about the fourth or fifth row in the center. And he stares, and he kind of squints, and then he mouths Rob. And I kind of looked, so I, he can't possibly mean me, you know. And then he goes out and talks to Rick Nielsen. And he like whispers something to Rick Nielsen's ear, and Rick Nielsen walks forward. And he goes, Rob? <laughs> and he points to his watch, like, why aren't you in bed? You have to get up early, you know. <laughs> so they finish surrender, and Rick waves to me and points to the stage door. So I said to my son, I said, come on, let's go. He said, where are we going? I said, we're going backstage. So... Uh, but I, I will never, ever impress any of my sons as much as I did my, my middle son that day. And we go to the backstage door, and there's a big, burly, you know, road there. What are you on? I said, I'm here to see Rick. And they said, and Rick shows up. He goes, Rob! And he throws his arm around me, and he brings my son and I into the, into the backstage. And he said, we're going to do an encore. We're going to do Dream Police. Come on, come on, come on with us. So he introduces me, and I go out on stage, and... You know, I make this whole pitch about how they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, you know, alert your congressman. And they launch into Dream Police. He puts, a, he puts this gold Les Paul that he has around my neck. Now, I don't really play guitar. I play drums. But I can kind of air guitar any song, especially a Cheap Trick song. So I'm, I'm kind of looking like I know what I'm doing. And it's still kind of not in that sense where I'm not believing I'm on stage with Cheap Trick. And so they get to the point in Dream Police where there's that rap part. You know, I try to sleep, I'm wide awake, they won't let me alone, that part. And Buddy Carlos is doing the, the, the pedal bass, and Rick kind of just gestures to me, like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I step up to the microphone, and I do that rap part, and I nail it, because, I mean, I know it so well. They couldn't believe that I knew it. It was just, it was huge. It was enormous. And then they finished the show, and they had to run out to, to Canada that night, and they, had a, they couldn't really hang. But um, since then, I've been fast friends with he and Robin and, and uh, Tom and, and Dax. And it's, it's a very cool, very, very cool thing. I mean, it's, 
you know, when, when you when you actually get to be on stage with, with one of your heroes, it's kind of surreal, you know. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's great. Now, what else have you? What else do you kind of like? I know this sounds kind of like a dumb question. Aspire <laughs> to you know uh, to accomplish it. I mean, you're still relatively young. You still got a, a huge career ahead of you. But if there was, you've done some. You've done radio, obviously. You've done some TV. You've done uh, the theater. What else would you like to do? I mean, what's... I'd like to do a movie. I'd like to, I'd like to be like one of those comics who transferred over to the movies. You know, like, um, you know, Paul Reiser or... Um, I can't remember his name. I'm so bad at names and I'm early onset. But uh, I'd like to do a movie, you know. Okay. Um, a nice character part in a movie. You know, it can be comic, it can be dramatic, I don't really care. I'd just like to do... A part of the movie, and then I think I'm gonna be pretty happy. Okay, you've done some voiceovers too, right? For some uh, cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a show called Kenny the Shark that ran for a couple of years on MS, uh, actually on NBC, NBC Kids, and I played uh, Marty the dog, and uh, who was based on Jay Leno. I, mean, I guess that's not that Marty the dog was gonna be Jay Leno. So hey, 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 Kenny, hey, Kenny, what, what are we gonna do now? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you read about this? Apparently. Um, and then I was like a couple of other, you know, odd voices on that. But what was cool about that experience was the guy who was the director of the the voice acting for the uh, the, the cartoon. It was the guy who was the voice of Speed Racer. Wow! It was like a seventy year old guy who had been Speed Racer, and so you know you kind of don't want. To like embarrass yourself and ask him like do a little bit of you know, but he did it and seventy years old and he still sounded just like Speed Racer. It was unbelievable. Wow. That's... What are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, do uh, Mr. Pigfest Dupree? Pigfeet Dupree. Pigfeet Dupree is um, a guy who. He's a uh, blind Mississippi white boy, Pigfeet Dupree. He uh, isn't really blind. He is, he's far-sighted, but doesn't look good in a marquee far-sighted Mississippi white boy, Pigfeet Dupree. And he does blues songs. And he, he was there. You know, he was there when he made the ham sandwich um, that, that choked poor uh, um, Mama Cass. He... Uh, he uh, he was the reason he knocked over the motorcycles at, at Altamont that made made the guy stab the the, the Hell's Angel stab the guy at, at Altamont. Yeah, he was he was kind of kind of like the um, Forrest Gump of rock and roll history. Okay, and what he'll do is he'll take a, a new story and he'll 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 write a blues song about it. You know, um, based on the fact that I can play like four different notes on a on a C harp. Um, <laughs> Basically, you know, the 4-4 four, four blues standard thing. And so he is a, a figment of my imagination that I've done over the years. He's had a couple of kind of cool songs. But I don't have my harmonica with me, otherwise I'd do one for you now. But, um, yeah, he's one of my favorite characters, too. He's a, yeah, boy, I'm going to do a song for you that unfortunately never really made all the hits that should have been. A lot of people stole stuff from me. Like the Beatles, for example, I had this song called I Would Prefer to Hold Your Hand. And they stole that alternative, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Now, it wasn't like, it's stealing from me. You know what I'm saying? Yes, indeed. 
Great. Um, the movies, you know, you talked about you wanted to get into that. we got a few minutes left. I think we've got about like three, yeah, three and a half minutes, something like that. So the movies, you, you, you write a lot of your skits, and you've written some plays and, and, and some of that stuff. So would, what if you were to write a movie and write in your character? You ever thought about that? Uh, I could do that, I think. I mean, and I, I have a play that I've written that I haven't really done anything with yet. I still have to do a, a reading of it. It's about stand-up comedians and just how dark and awful human beings we are. Um, it's really dark, dark, dark funny, um, which I always thought could make a great series, even for HBO or Showtime. But, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've probably the idea of writing a screenplay. But, you know, the problem is that everybody is a screenwriter. You know, there's, there is such a market for screenwriting and books and seminars. and I mean, there's a whole, there's, it's such a huge industry, you know, like, you, you too can be a screenwriter, because they happen a couple of people out of nowhere who wrote a movie and became famous, you know. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it would be that I would write, but uh, I, w- I would like to definitely, um, I guess I could write something for myself. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. What are your hobbies? I have no time for hobbies. Really? Why some of these other losers are out here? I had tropical fish for a while, and then they died. So that's basically <laughs> my story. <laughs> so do you get to travel? I mean, so you have no hobby. I mean, you said you played drums, so you're kind of a quasi-musician. You play the harmonica yeah, a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, I just hack around. You know, we have a, I have a studio out back. Uh, converted the garage to a little studio. My, my son's got a band. Uh, who records out there and rehearses out there? They're called McSeal. They just went up on uh, they just went up on iTunes. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago. So they um, they they record out there. But I'm not good enough to play with them. So, so I kind of sneak in when they're not there. Just you know, just to hack around myself. You know, put the headphones in, do a couple of Beatles songs, do a couple of Cheap Trick songs, and by then I'm winded and I have to come in. Oh yeah, and the air guitar, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Rob, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking some time out, hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We enjoyed the skits and everything like that. We certainly enjoyed having you on the show. I want to also wish you and everybody else, your family and everybody, uh, a happy new year. If people want to find out more about you, how do they go about doing that? Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, Rob Bartlett, you can find me there. Uh, I'm at the Robio on Twitter, R-O-B-I-O. Um, ComedyRob.com is the site that I have that uh, that will tell you where I'm going to be next live, and uh, the Rob Show, RobShow.com, um, has some uh, a lot of stuff. You know, okay. a, lot of, a lot of stuff I've done that you can kind of take a look at and whatnot. But and of course, I'm in the morning, right? Absolutely, man. That's that's the sun source. Okay, weekdays well, and six to nine. Yep, and we're just about out of here, Rob. I want to thank you very much. Happy New Year to everybody. You too, man. And, thank uh, you for everything. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming on the show. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Next week, we will be back, as usual. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.